We are live for Coffee with Tamara, and I'm so happy to be here with all of you. This is a live stream. So as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I decided that I really missed the interaction and connection that I got on some of our old Zoom town hall meetings that we used to do. And I wanted to find a way to open up the podcast to allow for conversation, for questions, for comments, for your brilliance to come into the podcast itself. I feel like podcasts sometimes are this one-way conversation. It doesn't have to be. So from here on out, all of our podcast episodes will be live streamed first. Right now it's on YouTube and LinkedIn. We're going to go to TikTok next, but just so you know for right now, and then they'll go on to all the, the podcast players, the iTunes and Stitcher and iHeartRadio, excuse me, and all that of the world. So today we, on our podcast episode of Coffee with Tamara, are going to talk about stress and its impact on creativity and innovation. It actually has a really big impact and some of them are going to surprise you. Now, Coffee with Tamara, just as a reminder or, or a, a little info for you new people, is all about the kind of that intersection of entrepreneurship and innovation and neuroscience and behavioral psychology. What it all boils down to is that I am 100% fascinated by human behavior and very specifically what unlocks creativity or innovation inside people so that they can live up to their full potential and so that they can actually achieve more. We have this incredible thing between our ears, not just the brain, but the innovative part of our mind that's actually built into us, it's hardwired into us as humans, but we don't often use it. In fact, we often shut it down. And I have found over the years that that's because of a combination of, uh, you know, we were told we're not the creative ones because we don't have the purple hair and the, you know, cool sunglasses and the funky pumas. Or, you know, in schools kind of, unfortunately, beat out of us a little bit because we're told to draw on the lines, put everything in the right place. Um, sometimes in work, because, you know, to be innovative, you have to take risks and risk can be scary and they can mean success and failure. And it brings up a lot of fear and anxiety in people. So oftentimes I see that creativity, that innovation really tampered down inside work as well. So there's a lot of reasons, or it could just be that, you know, we're insecure, you know, fear, our primal brain drives us. So we're playing in that place of trying to stay comfortable and trying to stay safe. And when we do that, the world changes around us and we don't change. So there's consequences to it, but that's oftentimes the reason why we behave like that. So in this podcast, I want to talk about this thing called stress that is impacting a lot of us so, so greatly right now. Now, just as a reminder, hello, everybody. Welcome for those of you who are live. Uh, I can, I think, see most of the comments. We'll find out if that's true or not. And so I should be able to see your questions and your comments. Sometimes there's a little bit of a delay, but I love to get to as many as possible. My platform, tech platform, should pull it all together. Every now and again, I miss one here and there, but I try to see them all. So if you're watching, by all means, leave a comment and leave a question. I've got notes over here on the sides. So if you see me looking to the side, uh, that's why, because there are a couple key points I really wanted to make sure to make, and I didn't want to miss them. So I've got my notes out, and I am ready. Okay, let's talk about stress. So here's why today in particular, 
I wanted to do a podcast episode completely dedicated to the impacts of, of stress on creativity and innovation. What I'm seeing out in the world is a lot of really stressed out people, more so than ever before. We have spent almost four years being resilient and adapting to change that was a disruption that was forced onto us. And we've got companies who are reorging, they're changing, they're taking resource away and adding resources in other places. We're all being asked to do more with less. That's really what it boils down to. And there's a lot of stress in that. Then on top of that, there's a lot of uncertainty. Now, here's the thing about uncertainty as humans. A little uncertainty is actually really good for us and our brain, our body thrives on it. But there needs to be a balance between certainty and uncertainty. And I think for a lot of us right now and a lot of the people that I have conversations with, it feels like there's an imbalance. There's you know this much uncertainty and this little amount of certainty. And so we can't necessarily change that right? We, there are so many things in the world that are so much bigger than us. And, you know, there's everything going on in um, the Middle East. There is everything going on in this country. I'm in the USA. So everything going on here, we've got an election year coming, inflation rates, housing prices. Pretty sure I don't need to say anymore. <laughs> I think you get it. And then you add that right to the layer of whatever's happening in your work. Maybe you're a small business owner and you're on a roller coaster ride. I know I have definitely felt like that this year, that it's been way more of a roller coaster than ever before. Or maybe your company is reorging. Could be because you're growing and they've acquired a company and now there's redundancy. So some people are getting laid off. Or maybe they're asking you to change how you do business as they change. Or maybe they're laying off because they're shrinking, right? It could be a lot of things. Have to have my coffee as I talk. So... That's why it's called coffee with tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot of things about stress. Now, here's the thing and why I think it's so important for us to have this conversation to really recognize it is because stress is a, it's a response built into us for extreme moments. Um, we're a tribe and there's another tribe coming at us to take over our territory. There is a saber-toothed tiger in the bushes. Uh, there's an odd smell in the air. And so maybe there's a gas leak, right? Like things that are supposed to set you off. So stress is really important. And that fight, flight, or freeze is really important. However, with what we've been dealing with in the modern world, what's happened with stress is that it's become this underlying factor, like this insidious layer inside most of us that's right under the surface that's always around. So that's a problem. Because now what's happening is our bodies, our physical bodies, are putting so much effort into managing that stress that we're pulling resources from other places. And the same thing's going on in our brains. It's why innovation can be a little bit of a challenge because our brains are actually using the resources to manage the stress. It takes energy to be stressed. Have you ever found in a really exhausting day that, actually, let me say that differently. Have you ever found on a really stressful day that you are super exhausted at the end of the day? I know that's absolutely true for me. So when I have days or weeks where there's a lot going on and I'm super stressed out, maybe I'm worried about money or I'm worried about meeting my deadlines or I'm worried about a big client engagement coming up or the podcast I have to do, whatever it is. 
I am exhausted at the end of the day and way more so than I would be on a normal day. And it's not because I worked out twice. It's not because I didn't get sleep. Everything, all the other factors tend to be the same. It's actually just because that stress takes a lot of energy, right? It makes us exhausted. So now we're living every single day, which is a little bit more percent of stress under the surface. So we're struggling, right? We're struggling to have creative problem solving skills. We're struggling to be good decision makers. Don't you find there's like massive decision fatigue when you're stressed out? So all that is to say that what was once something that it was here and there, right? We're stressed out for a point of time. It's like a point in time exercise or stressed out in a moment has become how we've lived our lives. I heard somebody say it the other day and it might sound harsh, but I think it's true. They said, stress is making us sick and dumb. So it's making us sick because it's pulling resources and our systems are down. And it's making us dumb because we're living in this primal brain and this fight, flight, or freeze, because that's what stress does. It puts us in a fight, flight, or freeze. And so we're not making good decisions. We're too exhausted to think through things, right? Our ability to innovate is goes down, all those things. So I want to dig into those though, and I want to kind of blend in the neuroscience and the research and the experience behind it so that you can really get a feel for what I'm talking about here. So I'm going to look over to my notes. I said, I've got notes. Okay. So um, Maggie just put in the question of, well, how do I get rid of it? I'm going to talk about some very key, easy to do that ways at the very end. So bear with me. I want to talk about the impact first and then talk about some very easy to implement things that you can do every single day. They're not earth shattering. Um, in fact, I just thought of one that I want to make sure I put in here, but I promise you they make a difference. Hold on. Okay. So let's start with stress creates cognitive impairment. So it's a little bit of what I was just saying about making a dumb. So here's the thing. Stress triggers the release of cortisol and that's a hormone associated with fight, flight, or freeze response. So that sets off our primal brain. So elevated cortisol levels actually impair our cognitive functions, things like memory, attention, problem-solving abilities, right? So this hinders, as you can imagine, creativity. It's really hard when your cognitive abilities and your attention are narrow. Have you ever found yourself in a moment where you're not present, right? You've got a million tabs open in your brain and someone's talking to you and you guys are trying to solve a problem but you just, you've got nothing or you, they're talking and you're not even focused. Like you don't even know what they said. Well, that's because when we're stressed out, we got all these tabs open in our brain, our attention goes down. Our ability to be attentive goes down. So our ability to problem solve goes down. So stress impacts all that. So we have to work twice as hard to find a solution, to find a problem, to be innovative, to be creative and that becomes exhausting and the brain is a lazy lazy part of our body and the brain wants to be efficient so when we're expending all this energy it wants to shut down i know you've had those days where like you've got this big thing to tackle but you're so tired you're so exhausted you just want to sleep or drink your third energy drink in the day right i i know 100 know i've been there well that's because stress impairs your cognitive ability, right? It impairs decision-making and problem-solving. It impairs memory. So you can't even, you ever had this where someone said something to you and then 20 minutes later, you ask them the same question and they're like, I just told you the answer, Tamara. Why aren't you listening? Well, that's because that's what stress does to our brain. 
The other thing it does, and I think this one's really important, is stress actually narrows focus. So high levels of stress, or a little bit like we're talking about, which is consistent levels of stress, often lead to narrowing of focus. So it creates tunnel vision, and that can limit, very greatly limit, your ability to think broadly. So tunnel vision, right? You're kind of excluding the outside world. You're, you've got your eye on one thing. It's like the, a dog with a Kong ball. Like this is it. This is all I'm focusing on. So as you can imagine, that narrow focus hinders the exploration of alternative perspectives. It hinders the exploration of new ideas coming in or new thinking and new perspectives coming in. So it's hard to be innovative and creative when you're just going down the same lane in the same way with such a narrow focus that you've got your blinders on. It's like the blinders that they give horses, you know, those when you see them so that they don't get distracted by the outside world. Well, stress does that for us. It puts our blinders on. It creates tunnel vision. And when we have tunnel vision, it's hard to think broadly. And thinking broadly can really be a key ingredient in creativity and in innovation. Okay, so the third one, which I think is super interesting and really important to understand, is it leads to reduced risk-taking. So innovation, creativity, it often involves risks and exploring new ideas. And by the way, risk can be just putting two things together that have never been together. Risk can be taking a leap on a new idea or picking up that phone and trying to get that new business. Risk can be all over the place. Risk isn't, I'm throwing away everything I've ever done and I'm doing something new. Risk can come, up, come out in a lot of different forms. Like I said, it can just be, new types of exploration, or it can be mashing things together. It can be, you know, experimenting with a bold idea, whatever it is. But when you have stress and consistent stress, it actually, it makes you more risk adverse. It, it promotes a more conservative approach. So individuals under stress are less likely to experiment with unconventional or novel concepts. So it stifles the creative process because you're not willing to look at the new, the different, the unconventional. Stress, when you're in a state of stress, it wants to keep you safe. It wants to keep you comfortable, right? It wants to keep you in place because there's no risk to being in place according to stress and your primal brain. Now, you, what you and I know is that staying in place is probably the riskiest thing you can do because the world is still moving and changing and you're staying in place, which makes the gap between you and your goals or your work or what you want to achieve actually bigger. Now you're in catch-up mode. So you and I know intellectually that staying in place is the worst and most risky thing you could possibly do. But when we're stressed out, our brain goes, <coughs> our brain goes, stay in place, do what you've always done. The brain and stress, when you're in that primal brain, it wants to keep you in place. So you might find, if you looked at your life or maybe the last month, maybe you'll find you've been more risk adverse on a daily basis. And even if it's just little things like trying a new restaurant, like it's amazing what we find we become risk adverse to when we're stressed out. I'll tell you real quick, I on a personal note, um, and I'll tell you a professional story around this too. My son wanted to uh, drive to school. He's got his permit. So he I, to the bus stop, he wanted to drive to the bus stop. His school's a little far away. 
And I had been super stressed out and I really had to catch myself because the other day I found myself going, let me just drive. Like, I don't, let me just deal with it. Let me just drive. Because I knew that him driving was a new experience for both of us. Now he needed the experience. So I had to talk myself down off the ledge and give him the keys, no crashes. Everything went fine. A few stop signs we went through, but beyond that, we were good. But you see my point of the story here. It was the stress dictating my response. On any other day where the stress is minimal, I would have been like, yeah, let's do this, buddy. But because I was so stressed out and I wasn't being pre present, I wasn't being attentive, right? I, my, I had my blinders on. I just wanted to get him to the bus stop and get back. But I knew that wasn't the thing to do, right? So I had to kind of calm myself down and talk myself into letting him go, letting him drive. And it was awesome. It was great. So as great as it can be when you have a permit. So stress makes you, it makes you unwilling to take risks. You just want to do what's safe, what's comfortable, what you know. I see this with my clients. I was presenting to a client that I have that I absolutely adore new product ideas for their market. These ideas are going to crush it for them. But some of them require perhaps a new placement in the store or a new twist to their marketing or a new distribution channel. So there's some risk in that. So my client, I, they've been very stressed out lately. They are under a lot of pressure at work. They are a lot of under pressure at home. The world's going crazy and they can't get off the news, right? So I knew, I knew this was going to be a hard conversation for them because they were so stressed out. So I did some things in the, in the beginning of the meeting, but before I get there, what I just want to say is their initial response to the ideas was no, because the stress was dictating their decision-making. It was dictating their problem solving. It was dictating their focus. So they were really struggling with the new and the different of it, not because the ideas weren't brilliant and we came all the way around to the place where we needed to be. And they're going to launch a couple of the ideas. I'm really excited about it, but because the stress was dictating it. How many of us have been in a meeting where the person on the other end of the table says no to what our proposal, whether that's a new product, a new initiative, something you want to work on, a promotion, even though they know it's the right thing to do, but the response is like, it's a fight, flight, or freeze response. Okay. It's not an innovative, it's not an everyday innovator response. So that's what happens, right? We become very risk adverse, very hard to make decisions. Okay. So the other way the stress really impacts creativity and innovation is communication and collaboration. It becomes very impaired. So stress negatively impacts communication and collaboration, especially within a team. Um, effective innovation, I think, often relies on the exchange, or most definitely relies on the exchange of diverse ideas and constructive collaboration, right? You got to have constructive debate. You got to have discussion. You got to have diverse perspectives. And all that comes together to create strong communication and hence strong ideas. But when there's high stress, communication tends to break down. Team members may become less receptive to each other. In fact, they do become less receptive to each other. And that inputs, um, that hinders input. We've all been there. We've been in the brainstorm session where somebody just cannot get on board with it and they poo poo every single idea and they have a million reasons why things won't work. And, or, or right. You're in a conversation with someone and their response to whatever it is you're saying is super emotional and not at all appropriate for the moment. 
right? It's like they get all defensive for no reason. Well, that's because when we're stressed out, our ability to communicate and collaborate goes down. We're often being driven by our primal brain in those moments. So we're arguing, we're debating, we're taking things personally, we're getting negative, we're saying no because we don't want to take risk. So communication and collaboration drop substantially. So that's a problem, right? Obviously with teams, it's a problem personally, you don't want to be that person getting all emotional about an idea because you're in fight, flight, or freeze. But also it's a problem for a team when you've got things you've got to do, you've got goals you've got to achieve, and you're stuck with impaired communication and collaboration. And that's things start to break down. And then that starts to erode respect. It starts to erode trust. So that's a problem, clearly. All right, decreased motivation and engagement. Obviously, prolonged stress leads to massive burnout and disengagement. Um, innovation and creativity require high levels of engagement, right? You got to be present. You got to be on it. You've got to be energized enough to want to pursue new ways of doing things. So you've got to have a lot of passion for, for exploring new possibilities. Well, chronic stress can absolutely sap individuals of the energy and the enthusiasm needed to tackle creative challenges. Um, and this then leads to that burnout, right? So I think a lot of us have been through a lot of change in the last couple of years, and it takes a lot of motivation to keep moving forward. I know so many people who had to change their vision of their life and who they were and how they wanted to be and how their business was structured and how they did their work. And you've got to be willing to make those changes. You've got to be willing to see new possibilities. And so when the motivation and the burnout is high and, and that is all low, right? It makes it really hard to, it makes it really hard to innovate when you're burnt out. We've all been there and we've all had that person, haven't we, that we've worked with or in our lives. It's like, they're just too jaded and exhausted to play along and they suck the energy out of you. And you might be that person or you might be on the other end of that person, but either way, it's no fun. So huge burnout, motivation, engagement problems when we're dealing with chronic stress like we are now. Now, hold on, I got some questions coming in, so let me read these real quick. How do I know, hold on, let me read that. How do I know if our lack of ability to innovate is because of communication, comma, collaboration, I don't say the comma, sorry, collaboration or unwilling to take risks? Here's what I'd say. I think that's a good question, Laura. And here's what I'd say. I'd actually say, let's take the question a step back and say, ask a question, something like, why is our team unable to innovate? Period. Why is our team lacking in um, innovation culture? Why is our team becoming dysfunctional? Here's what I suspect you'll find. Oftentimes underneath the layer is stress mistrust and lack of respect. So, and some of that, if you actually dig layer deeper, could be because they're asked to, to achieve goals that feel impossible to the team or they're lacking vision or they're lacking cohesiveness in their team. It could be because um, they're burnt out and this is just another initiative they have to do. So I would actually, instead of asking specific of which one, so I can tackle one, I might take a step back and ask a couple questions prior 
to really understand what is it that's impacting my team. You might be seeing lack of risk-taking, lack of communication, lack of collaboration, burnout, right? But I bet you there's something before that. And that could be stress. It could be uh, change, right? It could be initiative fatigue. That's going to give you what you need to focus on right there. That's a great question. Okay, let me give you a couple that are actually surprising. So one is, one surprising, one is it? One is uh, stress, high levels of stress, chronic stress, erode divergent thinking. So again, we're trying to stay safe, we're trying to stay warm. So it, it minimizes our ability to think divergently. So to go out and across and it minimizes our ability to consider unconventional and groundbreaking ideas because that takes divergent thinking. When we get narrow, 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 it's very hard to find those breakthroughs, those really meaningful breakthroughs because we're so narrow. So it makes it very hard to have that divergent thinking. All of our walls of, I don't want to hear new ideas. That sounds like a lot of, like new ideas when you're stressed out sound like a lot of work. That's all you hear because you're so stressed getting through whatever it is you're getting through. Okay. So it's important to recognize that. Here's um, one, as I was doing the research that I thought was kind of surprising. And then as I read it, I was like, oh, yeah. It's about serendipity. So stress inhibits serendipity. So go with me for a second on this. So serendipity, which is the occurrence and development of events by chance, right? Like it's kind of like, and usually for a good thing or a happy thing, beneficial in some way. But it's like occurrence of, of chance, of things coming together. That's the catalyst for innovation. It can be a big catalyst for innovation. However, stress can create a mindset that's super focused on survival and immediate concerns, like what's right in front of us, and actually blocks our ability to recognize and actually capitalize on the unexpected moments, the unexpected opportunities. So you might say, oh, nothing's happening. I'm not lucky. There's no kind of like serendipity happening in my world but chances are you're just so stressed out that you're actually not seeing it, that you're actually just missing it. And it's all around you, but you're missing it. And you know, sometimes I feel like these podcasts are also a little bit of self-care or like my own personal coaching, looking at myself on the, on the studio camera. But for me, I think this has been one that I have really seen a difference in of I, you know, I, I got so stressed out the last couple of months with work and some changes we're making and just everything kind of coming to a head at the same time in a lot of different areas of my life and work. And suddenly I feel like things aren't happening, right? Like I'm not lucky. Things aren't moving forward. They're not, things aren't coming together the way I wanted them to. And actually just before getting on this podcast, a couple of things popped up that I was like, whoa, but I think it's today I had a great workout. I took a nice hot shower. I did some breathing exercises. Well, maybe I just minimized my stress just enough that I saw the serendipity happening around me. So you'll be amazed when you minimize your stress, you see, you see it, right? You see the, the surprising moments and the opportunities and the things coming together around you. So know that if you're not seeing all that stuff and you're feeling super unlucky, it might be your mindset, which might be because of stress. All right. So I've covered a lot of the ways that stress really impairs our ability to create a problem, solve decision-making, be strong everyday innovators. So I want to give you put my glasses on for this. I want to give you a couple things that you can do 
every single day that will help you with this, okay? So number one is something I call the 50-20 rule. So this is if you work inside a company, but I have found this unbelievably valuable for the people that I've worked with, for my clients. So here's how it works. If you typically, have, or if you have a 60 minute meeting, like an hour meeting, you're instead gonna schedule it for 50 minutes and you're gonna stick to it. And if you have a 30 minute meeting, you're gonna change it to 20 minutes and stick to it. Here's why. You're gonna give people the gift of time. It takes our brains five to seven minutes to actually close out and complete the task we're working on and move on to the next one with an open, clear mind. Here's what happens. We move from meeting to meeting to meeting. Sometimes we're double booked in a meeting to stress, to meeting, to task, to task, to meeting, right? That's what our days look like. It's like non-freaking stop. So what happens is we get all this mental residue in our brain. Think of it as like weight, like you're adding weight on your brain. It gets heavier and heavier and heavier and it gets harder and harder to think creatively. Like we can barely make a decision and we can barely get through the day. Well, we suffer from that over days and weeks and months and years. And so our batteries become really, really drained. So what we need to do is give ourselves the gift of time, give ourselves a chance to just take a deep breath, clear for a moment, close the task, and then move on to the next one with a little more ease instead of being rushed from thing to thing. When we do that, we just give our, our brain a chance to get rid of that mental residue and actually a chance to de-stress and move forward with more energy and more focus and attention and memory to the next thing. So 50-20 rules, one of my favorite things. And if you're a leader listening to this, it's up to you to actually make that meeting happen, right? And make those times happen. People will follow along. It's a cultural thing. I've worked for clients who could very easily initiate this. I've worked for others that they really struggled and it took time and the leaders had to really double down because their culture was actually to double book themselves in meetings, which if you ask me is absolutely horrible, but that's what they used to do. So 50-20 rule. Okay, the second one is, and this kind of, it falls in line with this, is give yourself movement and meditation breaks. So here's the thing, taking just 10 minutes a couple times a day to walk around the block, walk around your office, do some stretching, do push-ups, do jumping jacks, sit and breathe and meditate, but not check email, not stream, not get stimulus for 10 minutes helps us calm our neurological system. It helps it decompress. It helps us get out of that fight, flight, or freeze and into that higher function. It's funny. So I used to really fight meditation because I would, I always fall asleep when I meditate. I cannot stay awake for life for me. I have two modes. I'm either on, I'm revved and I'm on, or I'm off. And in fact, that's why I started knitting because I found if I sat down to watch a movie, no matter the time, I passed out. It drives everyone in my family bonkers because we'll all get to go down for, you know, sit down for movie night. And I'm like, like within five minutes, it's a joke. So, but here's what I found in the middle of the day, that meditation, just 10 minutes of breathing really helps my body calm. Like I can feel the stress leaving my body. All right. Movement and meditation breaks. So the next one I want to talk about is grounding. And um, this is something I recently learned about some people called earthing. And this, the gist of it is the earth is, has a magnetic pull, right? It's got, it's got magnetic energy to it, and we do. And when we just put our feet on the ground for five minutes a day, the earth helps calibrate us. And I don't want to get all woo-woo on you, but I, I promise you it works. And I was very skeptical, but I've been doing it every day. 
for five minutes, even in the winter. It's not that cold outside. You can handle it for five minutes. And that five minutes, I'm calmer. And I'm also outside, by the way. So not on cement, not on wood floors, like on ground, on dirt, on grass, right? Like at the edge of a lake, like whatever it is. But it's unbelievably soothing. And I think part of that's because you're outside. And I think part of it is because of the grounding and the kind of it pulls and kind of recalibrates your body. They say actually that it's one of the best things that you can do if you're flying and changing time zones and you want to quickly reorient reorient yourself to the new time zone. I know it sounds totally woo-woo, but think about think about the last time you had your feet on the ground, like on a patch of grass in the park or on the sand on a beach. Oh, it feels so good, doesn't it? Well, we're meant to be outside and on the ground as humans, right? As a species, that's what we're meant to do. And we do it so little. If I get these stats right, this was from a, a Gary Brecca talk that I saw. I think it was as humans, we were designed to actually be outside 85% of the day or of our lives. And we are outside in the modern world. Are you ready for it? This is how much we're outside. 2%. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, no wonder we're all stressed out. In fact, I'm sitting here with my blackout curtains on so that because I have a big window next to my desk. And like, if I sit here for too long with these curtains up, I start to get a little aggro. Like, I need the light to come in. Grounding is incredible. Just go outside and just try it for five minutes. Like, I, I know it sounds totally cuckoo, but oh, totally works. All right. I'm going to give you, oh, um, I'm going to, okay. And then the other one I want to share with you, I've got a few here, so I just want to make sure I don't miss them, is coloring. So adult coloring is absolutely magical. It has benefits of calming. It creates deep focus. It's like meditating, but inside intricate patterns. It allow it taps creativity, so it unlocks your, your innovative mind, your everyday innovator. It helps you soothe, become more focused. Doodling actually has, research has shown, increases memory. So I'm going to put a link here to Serenity Styles because they have, we have, this is my other company, the most amazing pocket coloring postcards and apparel kits. It's all about bringing the relaxation and the mindfulness of coloring books into different formats that make it accessible and easy and fun for you. So, but I bring up coloring because whether that's doodling in a notebook or coloring in one of Serenity Styles products, it's absolutely fantastic. And so here, um, let me show you one. I've been doing these pocket ones. This is a new one I'm about to start. Direct, I don't know if you can see it with the virtual background. My point is color, doodle, draw. It taps different parts of the brain, but also research has shown it helps us relax, manage stress. Okay, so the other one that I want to share is, I think you know this, is breathing. So here's what I want you to do with your breathing. I love to really make sure I'm taking very deep breaths. And Gary Brecka, the human biologist, talks a lot about the importance of breathing and how we become these shallow breathers. When you're stressed, have you noticed that you start to breathe really shallow? You're like, <sighs> I don't know if you can hear that. But that's what happens when we're stressed out. So we stop putting oxygen through our body and into our brain. That makes us more stressed out and more exhausted and makes it harder to think and to be and to have any energy. So just pay attention to your breathing. I have found this a surprisingly powerful exercise to do because it turns out like when I'm sitting here and my jaw's clenched and then I get a headache, but if I paid attention to my breathing, what I found is when I'm stressed, I'm, and this is true for most humans, 
I'm a really shallow breather. And when I'm a really shallow breather, I'm not getting the oxygen through my body and in my mind that I need to perform during the day. And so then my stress goes up, right? Because I'm not getting the oxygen I need. So just pay attention. And when you find yourself shallow breathing, just make it deep again, right? Make it deep again. We all know how to breathe. We're not going to stop breathing. But how we breathe actually matters more than scientists used to think. It really matters. And when you're stressed out, your breathing becomes shallow. So pay attention to your breathing. Okay, I got two more for you. The other one also is going to sound crazy, but it's become my new favorite thing. And that is cold plunging or ice baths or cold showers, whatever you want to call it. Ice baths have unbelievable benefits on the body and mind. So physically, it, help, it helps with recovery, with reducing inflammation, right? A lot of, you hear a lot of athletes doing it after they work out. Um, mentally, it's like a mood booster and it really helps decrease stress. I will tell you, because I've been super stressed out. I bought a very inexpensive cold plunge for my backyard. Very inexpensive. It doesn't have the gauge. Doesn't, like I fill it with ice. Like I just wanted to see if I liked it. And I'm going to tell you right now, my son and I, my youngest, have been doing it almost every day for about a month now. And both of us, both of us, he's 15, I'm 51. I, we're opposites of each other. Have marveled in how much better we feel when we're done. It is such an energy and mood booster and de-stressor. So you don't have to go and buy a cold plunge. You could just do three minutes in your shower. One of my CrossFit coaches does that. She said she she takes her shower and then she turns it ice cold and stands there for three minutes and kind of turns a little bit. So you can do it however works for you. But I'm telling you that the cold is really helpful. It is shown in research to help people with ADHD, with depression, with mood disorders. I'm not a doctor, so don't take my medical advice on this, but I can tell you from personal experience that it has minimized and decreased my stress. It's made me energized. And so I, the, sorry, the question is from Paula is how often and when in the day do you do it for maximum benefit? Well, let me tell you what I do and why, and then you probably have a routine that will work for you. Um, so, so I CrossFit at five o'clock in the morning. So what I was told in the research is that you don't want to cold plunge right after you work out because your muscles are all warm. Like you don't want to just suddenly shock the system back. It's constrict it. You want to get the benefits of the exercise, right? And the metabolism. So I don't do it in the morning, although it's highly recommended for people in the morning. I do it at about three o'clock because that's when I've been up for a long time. My energy dips, my motivation dips. Like, yeah, everything dips for me around that time. So that's when I do it. So I change into my bathing suit. I go out. I do my three to six minute cold plunge. And then here's, Polly, here's the interesting thing that happens. When I do that, I come to back, back, sorry, I come back to work more invigorated, more energized. I have new, like, I new ideas flows. Like I go into a state of flow better. The stress is gone. I'm not saying it's a miracle thing, but I am saying that I think the benefits for me and for my son have been very, very noticeable. Like we both absolutely love it and absolutely love how we feel when we're done. So I'm all about the cold plunge. Um, and the last thing I want to share is what I call the one thing, which is something that I got from a book that I read called The One Thing by it's either William or Keller, the paint company with one of the founders. Now I can't remember which one it is, sorry. But the book is called The One Thing and it's a wonderful if you don't have it. 
And what he talks about in the book is the way he grew his business and managed his life was the one thing, which is like, what's the one thing that I can do today that will make all other things irrelevant or easier? I think that's the question. So oftentimes where our stress comes from is being overwhelmed by choice, choice of to-dos, choice of opportunity, choice of tasks. So what I like to do is I make a huge list. I brain dump everything on my day. And then I look at it and I pull out the top three that I say, if I do these three things, other things become irrelevant or easier, or they're going to make the most impact. And those are the things I tackle first when I am full of energy. And then when I get out in my cold bath, my cold plunge, I come back to them. So, cause other things I do have to get done in the day. But my point is when you decide in the morning, Hey, this is the one thing or the three things that is really going to move the needle forward. And in fact, when I look at my tasks, and in fact, this is what I experienced, is I found that some of them became irrelevant very fast. Like if I did this, these don't really matter. Or if I started at these, I'd have to do all of them. Or if I did this, this problem might actually go away. So, and I won't have to deal with that. So it's really important. It helps control manage stress too. Um, I find that I am most stressed out and less innovative the moment I wake up in the morning, not because I'm not a morning person or am a morning person, but because I haven't taken action yet. And when I take action, I feel less stressed because I feel more in control and I feel more able to tackle whatever it is that's making me stressed out. Um, I feel, and that leads to a sense of confidence. So control equals confidence. So action equals control, which equals confidence. That's how I think about it. And so for me, figuring out those one thing, that one thing in the morning. And I know I said three, I tend to have three things, but it could be one, but figuring that out and getting to it in the morning fills me with energy and it minimizes my stress. And then I watch my breathing and I make sure that I'm not <laughs> right. It's all the way through the day and making my stress and my headaches and my, like, you know, my ability to panic even worse because breathing really matters. All right. So let me make sure. Yes, I will wrap these up for you, Elaine. Okay. 50-20 with your meetings, 50-20 rule, end them at 15-20. This isn't in the same order I said them earlier. So, okay, sorry, let me back up. 50-20 with your meetings, have the 50-20 rule and stick to it. Give yourselves that time to decompress and complete. Movement and meditation breaks. So no stimulus, no phone, no TikTok, no streaming, no talking to people. Just get a movement in, get some meditation in, and let your neurological system a chance to calm down. Um, grounding, right? Going outside, taking off your shoes and socks and putting your feet in the sand in the park, whatever it is, but just let the earth do its thing and recalibrate you. Uh, cold plunge, whether that is in the shower or if you ha actually have a cold plunge, however you do it, you live by a lake, jump in. We did that when we were like Tahoe. It was amazing. Um, and then the one thing and minimizing stress by taking action which leads to control, which leads to confidence, right? and all that leads to minimizing stress. So as you can see, stress, because it's become this insidious thing that we're all living with, is making us dumb and making us sick. But we can take control of it, and there's little things that we can do every single day to help us manage that stress. Sometimes we got to do a little more, sometimes we got to do less. But what I have found is that people who make it a routine and a habit they're the ones that really manage the stress. So don't treat it as a point in time exercise. Don't stop because, oh, you know what? Tomorrow, today, I don't feel stressed out. I promise you, 
that making it a routine will serve you so much better in the long run than treating it like something you only do when you're feeling the stress. Here's the thing about, I should have said this earlier, about the stress that we feel right now is we almost don't feel it. It's become our norm. It's become how we live. So we don't even realize how freaking stressed out we are because it is life. It is the way we are and our being and everyone around us is like that too. So yeah, that's not okay. And just because it's every day doesn't make it good. It doesn't make it okay. And so I would encourage you not to think of this as something that you only do when you feel the stress. I would do it every day so that you don't get to that point. Or hopefully don't get to that point. All right, everybody, thanks for joining. Thanks for the questions. Yes, Tommy, I will have a an official live schedule. I know right now it's like catch as catch can if you happen to catch me. But I will have an officially live schedule soon so that, and it might ebb and flow. So maybe I'll put it in Google Calendar for you so you can see and I can change stuff. We'll make it public. Uh, yeah, that would be helpful. I agree with you, Tommy. I just haven't had the chance to do that. So I got to get my act together and get that. So for 2024, we'll absolutely have that. Okay. Tomorrow out.